Welcome to Turnbuckles. I'm John Reinman, and I ran into John Cena at Walmart while I was buying underpants. I'm Tommy Rico, and my son told me that I couldn't see John Cena. I'm Julie Harney, and I don't know what John or Tommy are talking about because no one has ever actually seen John Cena. Oh, boy. As someone in Stanford would say... It's been Thank a you. wild week uh, uh, in the internet wrestling community, so we're kicking things off this week with one of our favorite segments. We're going to switch things up. It's time for the Tony Awards. I got dressed up for this, guys. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, um, this week's Tony Awards, by the way, is going to mimic the Oscars uh, that just happened. It's very similar. Yeah, one of us might get slapped at the end, um, but whatever. Um, it, boy, so it's been an eventful week. Hi, Tom. Julia, feeling better? I am. Thank you so much. That's awesome. It's good to hear. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, anyone else? I thought I was getting sick when I was on Twitter and I was following the tweets of one Tony Khan, uh, the president of All Elite Wrestling. And uh, we did this segment on the show. We've done it uh, once and uh, we had fun doing it. Uh, Tony, let's recap this, uh, guys. Um, so Julie used to work in social at uh, the Tonight Show, and I was I ran the monologue there, and um, did it kind of bring back uh, memories of a certain individual when you saw a, a wealthy president kind of just tweeting and like what are we talking about? Not here? knowing what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or taking yeah, probably a me. morsel of maybe what someone said to them and then just running with it. Just completely oh, he ran. Running with it. He ran. Uh, full speed. Um, Tom's he had his own WrestleMania, and it was emphasis on the mania this week. So we'll explain this to everybody. So, Tom, do you mind breaking down this theory? Because I, I just want to make sure I'm understanding it right. Is that basically uh, he thinks the bots are out to get AEW? Yeah, and that there's a like a, a confirmed. Uh, by an independent group study that he did that he did not uh, link work to that right. he believes that there is a concerted effort that is financed and important that is coming after him and his company because there's no way that his company could possibly be putting out any kind of inferior work. Well, uh, let's let's explain to the first time listeners or people who are just coming back. All Elite Wrestling is um, the competition, if you will, or, or it isn't depending on um, what day it is in, in Connecticut. But yeah, regardless, it's, it's a professional wrestling promotion. Uh, debatable whether that's the same as sports entertainment. I kind of think it is. Um, but uh, there are some differences, and it is, uh, it's a challenger in, a, in many ways to WWE. Um, they're the ones that uh, signed CM Punk, brought him back to uh, wrestling, which was absolutely fantastic. Daniel Bryan, also known as now Brian Danielson, is over there. Um, and they brought back Sting, the legendary Sting. So anyone that's coming back to wrestling now, there's a lot of good stuff going on over at AEW. And they, they really did kind of get people talking about wrestling again. But then you know, a couple weeks ago, a gentleman by the name of Cody Rhodes, who was uh, an executive at AEW, left AEW after building himself up over there and went back to WWE and he's now the top guy at WWE. And we were all kind of texting each other. WrestleMania. Well, me and Tom, Julie was like, you know, on cold medicine stuff. So she was talking about like Amelia Earhart and grandfather clocks. But, um, Tom and I were discussing, man, is Tony going to tweet about this? Is this going to be like a, Oh my gosh, sort of thing as you know, in another time, a different president would live tweet things. Um, he took his time and then, um, 
now he's saying that 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 basically it's a conspiracy on Twitter. Right. I thought I mean, he did a good job of providing us with like a somber silence after Cody left. I I think that was the best way to go. And whatever goodwill that he amassed from not saying anything during the period of time where Cody went from AEW to WWE, it has gone maddeningly wrong (laughs) since then. Yeah. And so Tony Khan, uh, again, um, is um, (laughs) it was not a great week for Tony Khan, because as we said, he's 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 a a relatively young man. He's like thirty nine or forty, I believe. And uh, about the same age as uh, as uh, Vince McMahon was back in '85 when WrestleMania. So there's a lot of there's some parallels there, and um, some people say that um, Tony reminds them of a young Vince, and uh, Vince maybe he's going to be an older Tony someday. There's a Looper situation going on in wrestling right now, folks. That's why you got to tune in. It's science fiction, uh, but there's no wrestling on Sci-Fi. Do you guys remember that when SmackDown was on Sci-Fi for some reason? Was it really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ECW as well. The yep. the short lived ECW revival that WWE put out was on Sci Fi, uh, and included a wrestling mummy. I think the first week, the zombie. Well, the, the zombie. There you go. Yeah, Julia. How do you but, think uh, Mr. Paul Heyman reacted when he heard that his ECW is coming back, but it was going to be on Sci Fi and starring a zombie as the first person up through the curtain? Sounds amazing. That's that's what Paul would say. <laughs> yeah, it, yep. it probably is what he would say. What would he oh, say? There, when was, he, there was a when vampire, the not Gangrel. <laughs> yes, there was a vampire that was not Gangrel. It was Kevin Thorne. So we had a vampire. And, that's true. You know, that's a good point. I think there's something to that. We should do it like for a Halloween episode. I'd like to have an all scary wrestling promotion. We have, we might be doing that sometimes. So that's an upcoming topic. But uh, Tony Khan, interesting guy, um, kind of an entrepreneur. He loves wrestling, um, and everyone got behind him. This was really the first setback, and you know, Bret Hart. Um, has a great expression where it's it's people are really looking at you and you lose. That's when everyone that's when you need to know the cameras are on you. And um, as Tom said, Tony was, you know, quiet for a bit and uh, not a great week because then when he went to UFC, it, he sat next to Jim Ross, a.k.a. Jr. from the Attitude Era, uh, the gentleman with the cowboy hat that we all know for saying that mankind had been broken in half and all that stuff. Semen. Yeah. It's my favorite and they, word. Yeah. And they on the screen. Did you see this, Tom? We talked about this. Yes. We should, j- said Jim Ross. Uh, so Jim Ross, AEW commentator, and then Tony Khan, co-owner, Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> well, and, and the graphic got nothing right because they misspelled Tony Khan, which yeah. is almost impossible. He's T-O-N-E-Y, T-O-N-Y, that's, that's not even with an I, I'm bu- and they spelled it K. H or K A H N. So that's nonsense. But, uh, that's and, nonsense. and he's and not the co-owner nonsense. of the Jaguars. He's like the social media guy. He's like the, the, well, the no, his father guy. owns the Jaguars. He has some say in player personnel, but he's not the co-owner. What? But he's I not. mean, I, I <laughs> they call, got everything wrong. He's I call, the heir I, to, to, I, to own yeah, the, the heir of the Jacksonville the Jaguars. The I, I call, I call nonsense on that one. And I notice nonsense, as I said. And uh, I think, I think that was someone there at UFC. Uh, being a little unkind, but it is time to move ahead to the Tony Awards, and um, we're gonna kind of go through this this thread of tweets that Tony Khan put out Friday, right? <laughs> so we'll get to that. There's a show airing that that evening, and wait, tweeting. these are all Friday? Uh, oh my there's god! There's one at the bottom. <laughs> the one at the bottom, which I think takes the cake, but we'll get there. But yeah, the fr- yeah. it was mostly Friday. 
So it's leading into the show. And there's a little bit of remember that baseball commentator that got fired because he uh, said a bad he said a really bad thing and then he kept calling the game. There's one of those coming up here too, Tony Khan. Tom, you want to take us away with uh, the tweets? You're, you're great at reading these. Sure thing. All Here's right. the first, first one. Off this is the, the one that awards. got everyone talking. Yeah, this, this, is, this is going in the Smithsonian. Uh, Tony Khan tweets, An independent study has confirmed that much of the staunch anti-AEW online community aren't real individuals. It's a staff running thousands of accounts and an army of bots to signal boost them. Look closely. These aren't real people. Who'd pay for such a wildly expensive thing? So he's wi- wildly, by the way, is within um, asterisks. Interesting. Everyone's subtweeting everyone these days, it seems. But so bots. That kind of, yep. you know, the first thing I thought about when I remember when Robocop came and fought and helped sting. Julie, that's a real thing that happened. In WCW. Robocop showed up. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, and and by the way, not OG RoboCop. It wasn't Peter Weller, who's the real RoboCop. It was whoever they cast after Peter Weller in the RoboCop suit. So he didn't do the sequels. So it was that guy. So and uh, couldn't move. So dude, we got doinked with the RoboCop. Wasn't even the original Robo. Yep. Jeez. Oh, and Jim Jim Ross had to call that. I want to almost as bad as the fake Sting angle. Oh my goodness. Fake RoboCop. At some point, I, if I want to interview someone about that, I want to be like, what happened here? And like, just, just talk me through how this happened. <laughs> again, Julie and I can relate to, how did this happen again? <laughs> I think that's places, the, but... that angle is the only thing that's keeping the RoboCop statue from being built in Detroit right now. Julie, do you know, have you heard of RoboCop? You're the young one of all of us. Sure. Yeah. Never seen it, but I know it. There's a ride so... down in uh, Universal, I think. Is that still there? <laughs> no, it's not. There's, there's no way there's a ride based on an incredibly gory R-rated film. Yeah, but well, it's a mummy. It is, the mummy ride is, so is still it. down there. Yeah, but that's a kid's horror. Why would you movie. have? Yeah, why would you have a ride based on a tainted franchise at Universal? Anyway, um, Tom. <laughs> hey, go easy, Tom. What's our? <laughs> Tom's laughing too hard. Julie, you want to read the second one? From sure, Tony I'd Khan? love to. I'd love to. Okay. This, I'm actually. John, when you sent that, I, I got worked up over these tweets. My job is social media. This is mm-hmm. my life. This is my yeah. livelihood. This is what I, I do. And I originally you so were not, worked up. You were not that interested. And I just kind of said, okay, I went to bed. I literally turned off my phone and went to bed because I was like, I don't want to be there when Julie. So, all right, take us through because I knew you'd have some, some thoughts. Ever wonder why so much of the activity of these accounts is retweets and replies? Like, who actually has 80% of their activity as straight-up retweets? <laughs> Isn't that A lot point? of people, Tony Khan. A lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't you ever someone nice follow you, and then you look, and they just retweet everybody? It's just a, they just retweet a bunch of Garfield cartoons. And you go, or like oh, every, every upcoming stand-up comedian who thinks that a more famous comedian can help them in their careers, they retweet all their famous <sighs> so friends all the time. You, you, do, you do the follow mute. That's just that thing where you're like, love you. Nope, never again. But then what's this? Here's, I'll read the third one. He says, their boiler room staff is going to be working overtime on a Friday, and I love it. I just pictured him tweeting that as John Mulaney. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a, yes, yes, that's right. Their boiler room staff is going to be working overtime on a Friday. I love it. Street smarts on Twitter with the bots. Is it, um, can we like ask the question, what is this code? 
Like he's what talking about WWE, and he used boiler room to get because that was the thing. Remember that was the thing. It was always they're in the boiler room match. Oh, back in the day. okay. I mean, for a second there, I thought he was like waiting for his programming to come on and he was watching like they, like <laughs> TNT had a nightmare on Elm Street beforehand. He's done that before. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Here's my show. The boiler yeah. room's working overtime and now it's dynamite. <laughs> well, the, yeah. Also, it's like, yes. So that's I'm sure that's what's happening is that Mick Foley and Kane are came back because they need the money and they're running bots because that's what he's saying. I assume. Right is that WWE is targeting AEW on Twitter. What if it's Putin? What if like Vladimir Putin has turned all his attention from like trolling Americans online to trying to end uh, a second place production uh, of of a wrestling company? That could be something he could, when they canceled, when Rusev got like, Oh, maybe that was it. Maybe that's what set (laughs) set this whole shit off. Rusev, not Russian. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's no more Rusev Day. Mm. Tom, take. <laughs> I want you to read the next one because this is the baseball announcer one. Where we oh, this of, is always we these are turn. always my favorite. It's yeah. like half vitriol and half promotion. Mm-hmm. Research this one yourselves. You internet detectives thrive in these situations. Speaking of wild things, you wouldn't want to miss <laughs> John Moxley versus Wheeler Yuta <laughs> on AEW Rampage at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. S- uh, Central Time on TNT tonight. I, lo- I love when the heated argument turns into an ad. <laughs> also, that, that was the wh- taste great, less filling of tweets. Right also, there. like, way to yell at your audience. Like, you <laughs> idiots, go research things. Yeah. And by the way, watch my show. It's like yeah, tearing down the community. It's just also research this one yourself. You have an independent study. I don't need to share it with me. I'm well, happy to read it. Two things. Like, I'm he didn't say even is... take the time out to, like, make a fake letterhead and <laughs> create okay, a fake well... company name. And like, I mean, that would have taken at least 10 minutes, but it's just. You know what? Lie to us. If you're going to put that out there, just lie to us. Just say that you make up a company, make up the letterhead and write out your dumb letter. And then people will go, oh, yes, an independent study, an independent study that looks strangely like Tony Khan's other tweets. But OK, we'll accept it. Just um, such a weird dynamic. I'll just say two things. First of all, um, if you're going to insult your own fans and guilt them, Tony should really think about a career in stand up because I tell you, uh, that's the way right now. And secondly, um, Julie, like, you know, like you're, you, you, this is what you do. You're an expert at this stuff. Um, so like say this study's true, you know, because Tony is a smart guy. He's an analytical guy. And if there's anyone that might pick up on something like this, he's a, a brilliant person to do that. Okay. You have it, but you haven't quite, you're not hundred percent there. Do you ever tweet this out without confirmation? Absolutely. I think he knows this isn't a real thing. In my so opinion. in other words, if it's real, you, you would wait till it was confirmed, then do it. Right. So this is just, I mean, it's not real. It's not real. Okay. This isn't a thing. I, I, but I think, I think it's a good excuse for why he might be getting bad press and everyone's talking about it. I actually think it's a brilliant idea, which is why I hate it. Cause it's like just taking up space, uh, in a way that's just promoting his own show and, a in a way that demeans my livelihood. Did you guys ever see uh, director James Gunn who 
tweeted something like this, but actually showed his work. And it was really intense and amazing. A few years ago, he was looking at like toxic online discourse in different threads and tweets and different things. So he started to put together that, okay, this always set like the syntax on this sounds like ESL. It sounds like someone translating Google Translate. So he started to actually do the research on individual accounts that were like just constantly tweeting negative shit. And he found that almost all of them traced back to Russia. So that it was one of these things that it was like, it was a real like long thread too, where he showed his work. And Tony could have done something like that if this was real. But I, I think this kind of feels like a Tony troll job gone wrong. You're freaking me out. You guys are freaking me out with the Russia stuff now. Now I'm really, I, this isn't like worrying me now. <laughs> like the whole point of this, like, try, like trying to get my friends to watch, right? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's the one fun thing. I'm like, don't, man, don't tell me there's people in Russia doing. Uh, Look, well, I'd like to blame Russia for the reason that I don't have 10,000 followers on Twitter. So I'm going to, I'm going to effectively do that now. Okay. I blame them for that too. <laughs> Yeah, for those of us uh, well, uh, just coming back from that weird uh, edit, um, as I was going on my rant about Russia, I got kicked offline. So, fuck, we're going to finish this segment off really quick. Um, but here's my favorite tweet. Here's the thing I got to say, is then you're not, you're not supposed to engage with the trolls. So a Twitter follower with five followers tweets that Tony had been blocking everyone who had been saying things that make him look bad. And then to that, Tony replied, no, your account is literally your other account is literally the only account I blocked today. So he's telling someone he's talking to, you're the only person I w- can't talk to anymore. He's also telling on himself as someone who regularly blocks people. Yeah. So. OK, so um Let's go through them real quick. We got uh, the 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 Unabomber one at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> then we have uh, the one where he says, who the hell retweets things? And we're like, yeah, everyone. Uh, the boiler room staff. Uh, and then the one where he t- calls everyone idiots, but says to watch his show again. It would be welcome in the stand-up community. And then uh, the one where he responds to someone that he says he can't follow. So who takes home the Tony Award? I, I mean, they're all great, but none of them exist without the first one. Independent study has got to be. I mean, that one is the gold standard, I think. Julie? Uh, research this one yourselves. You internet detectives thrive in these situations without a doubt. And then plugging the show. I, I'm you can't. Go, <laughs> that one is pretty amazing. I'm going to go with that one. And yeah. that yeah. is the winner of this week's Tony Awards, everybody. I would love to talk to Tony Khan. If anyone's been watching like uh, like uh, Winning Time by uh, Adam McKay and HBO. So Tony, good. Yeah, he reminds me of J- uh, young Jerry Buss. Uh, there's there's a lot going on there. I hope AEW survives. But man, got to work on these tweets. And like you can't be tweeting during the show, Tony. Come on. Like, ugh, I'm not, not going to say who, but that used to drive me nuts. But anyway, uh, AEW Dynamite airs Wednesdays at eight on TBS. And then AEW Rampage airs Fridays at 10 on tnt check it out that's all elite wrestling and this has been the tony awards this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. life is full of twists and turns stress changes grief moments of growth and moments where we feel like we're taking a few steps back 
And it's important to show up for yourself even through all of the struggles that life can bring. BetterHelp Online Therapy is here for the twists and turns and will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. I've gone through virtual therapy and I've found it incredibly helpful. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online and the service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you don't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so that they can make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp is a great way to show up for yourself and invest in your well-being because, well, you deserve some inner peace. Visit BetterHelp.com turnbuckles. That's better H-E-L-P. And join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Special offer for Turnbuckles listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com Turnbuckles. Raw Recap. All right, so uh, I thought a pretty good Raw this week. What'd you guys think? I thought it was a lot better than the Raw coming out of WrestleMania. There was a lot more going on and mm-hmm. definitely better matches. Yeah. Uh, Julie? I agree. I agree. So uh, we have Cody and uh, The Miz, uh, promo and match. Um, Tom, what'd you think of this promo? You had some strong opinions. I did. Um well, beforehand, by the way, welcome back, Jerry the King Lawler. Oh, yeah. Jerry the King say. Lawler. <laughs> doing well. And by the way, a very subdued Jerry the King Lawler. I think he was allowed one King joke the entire. And it's it, in his case, it's their dad jokes. But when you got a crown on your their King jokes, oh, he my gosh. was only allowed one. And it went over like a fart in church towards the end of the night. Uh, but it was great to see him. Was it the sciatic, uh, sciatica one? I heard no, that. No, he, it was a real dad joke towards the end. Yeah. I forget what it was, but it was just like it, it, they completely just blew by it. I was um, thinking to myself, Jerry, I saw Mr. Lawler on commentary and I just thought, well, Amazon just shipped a lot of Calvin and Hobbes joke books tonight. Um, <laughs> but um, well, actually, and, I don't well, know. And, and related to the king. So I think we finally found out what that audio is at the beginning of Cody Rhodes entrance. Because when it was really muffled, when WrestleMania, it came out and it sounded kind of like Cody's voice, but all you could hear is, listen, there's more than one voice in me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and now they've cleared the audio and the, and the wording is, wrestling has more than one royal family. Oh. That's the voiceover. Yeah, yeah but it, the first couple of weeks, you couldn't hear it at all. It was completely inaudible. Uh, and so he comes out to a combination of Edge's old steam entrance exploding into Rey Mysterio's pyro and then finishing up with someone throwing a cigarette into the trash at the fireworks factory. It's I think they use every other wrestler's promo in Cody's entrance. It's wild. Yeah, it is. It is something else. Um, and Julie, did you get to watch this whole promo? I, I did. And did you notice what Cody, he made a couple mistakes again. And the Miz had to call uh, well, him the on biggest it. one being that, a belt is what you wear around your waist. Yeah. It's called a title. 
That was a Ooh. big one. That I cannot big... believe it. Oh my gosh! I was like, well, and good on Miz. Sneeze? If that was, if that was, you know, if, if that was, that was improv and not I, scripted, good on Miz. That was I, a quick pickup. I think it was scripted, but it was really well scripted, and both performers did a great job of disguising it because Cody it, turned it was red just really well that. done. I watched it twice because I was trying to figure it out, and Cody, yeah, he turned a little. Red. I don't know. Do you think it was I, a? Do you think it was a subtweet? Sub a live subtweet, a real subtweet to AEW. Yes, I don't know if I AEW so. calls them that, but it was I it think, a call out to be like you're now on WWE and it's not I a absolutely belt. think straighter. Uh, so again, to fans who are tuning in, shoot means unscripted, work means scripted. I think either shoot or work. Yes, that was a, okay. a definite dig at AEW, and Miz is the perfect guy to do that. You know who the Miz? You know who Miz kind of reminds me of, and. Uh, and he has the same sort of pat like um i have a tremendous amount of respect for the miz interesting guy uh he was on the real world did you know yeah. that julie yeah yeah I, that's Mike how Kazan. i know about the miz was because of yeah. the real world i knew him real world before i knew he was in wwe this is a real thing the miz for for anyone it's just like one of the top wc superstars he was on the real world you'd probably recognize him and yeah if you didn't watch the real world uh he was the guy who played country music no, I'm kidding. That was a different guy. Uh, he, yeah, he was on there and he was kind of embroiled in a bit of like uh, racial controversy. There was some insensitive things that he said. But the cool thing was, as the season progressed, uh, the other castmate that he was having the racial incidents with, they became friends and they became close. And I thought that was really cool. It was it was kind of like you rarely sh see like human growth on television, especially and something like reality TV, but I thought that was nice, and it, it showed him as a person uh, growing, and then it showed towards the end of the season that he was on, that he was this massive wrestling fan. You know, like, uh, in a weird, his own weird, it's, it's weird to compare anyone to this person, but he, he kind of reminds me, in his current role in WWE, of, of in like the early 90s, Tom, uh, Roddy, Roddy Piper, what, what he was doing. Yeah, very he, much so. And yeah. their skill set is similar, too. Yeah. Because neither of them are like catch-as-catch-can guys. They're yep. both kind of brawlers. But Great talkers, but I, great interviewers, can do any role. Um, they don't have to win in order to stay popular. They can lose one week, win the next. The Miz is a big deal. And um, Well, and so, speaking of good lines, Cody's line about reliable Mike, that stung. That, like, like that hurt my soul to hear. Ugh. That was really, really good. Yeah, calling that out. But then the other thing, too, that I think they may have taken out. Oh, no, it is online. Is that Cody is another dirty word, Julie. He called uh, everyone there wrestlers. And oh, that's right. That's right. Superstars. I thought you were talking about the swear word. That he didn't. Say that is that is a swear word. That's true. That, <laughs> I never saw anyone say wrestler. Um, and that's a thing that, by the way like working other places when we would do cross promo with WWE, everyone would be like from 9am that morning. It was like everybody at superstar. You call them superstars. So I don't know Co Cody, but I thought it was cool because it had a mix of Cody. You're not in Kansas anymore. And also, but Cody fought back and it was kind of like, no, I'm bringing a little bit of my, the way I do things mm. to WWE. And it's like yeah. his own invasion. And there's already rumors out there that there might be more people leaving AEW. Um, and so maybe that's sort I mean, I don't I don't know anything about that. We're going to get more we'll tweets see. from Tony Khan. Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, I would say look for the tweets. It's it's a sort sort of the same thing. It's like yeah, when there's whether there's a pope, you look for the smoke, and then when there's a someone going to WWE, you look for the tweets with Tony, <laughs> and and probably some smoke somehow. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna leave the obvious smoke joke out of the way, but thank you for bringing it up. Well, okay, well, I, yeah. I, that's not what I, I meant. Question. I just want to say know, that's not what I meant by that. I'm gonna make that very clear, everybody. No accusations mean. on this. No. Podcast. We I are, do have a question not, for the two we, of you yes. real quick. I am sure. um, one of my one of the things that I think WWE does better than any other entertainment program in existence. Are there recap promos of what happened previously to set you up for what you're about to see? Those mm-hmm. are movie blockbuster level trailers that I feel like I'm watching in real time. Those are so well done. And, and they're subtle too. It's not like Mad Men where it's like last time on Mad Men and they show a guy from four years ago and you're like, yes. oh, he's going to, he's going to come back. And they're yeah. like, yeah, right. how'd you know? You know, you know yeah. Well, he just ruined the episode for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's not new by the way. WWE's video vignette presentation has been great for decades. Vince has changed that. Like Vince, the way he used to do vignettes for old WWF programming in the eighties, everyone else bit off that style. He was the only one doing that. And then eventually TV shows started to pick that up and it was, he did it differently and he did it better than anybody and still does. They, they're still the best as far as how to tell a story in a couple of minutes beforehand, before you, you do the next iteration of the story. It's really, really great what they do. I, I, like I agree. The- in there, though, what I thought was cool is I think, and I don't know this, I need you guys, you're the historians about of WWE, WWF, was his father, Cody Rhodes' father. Um, uh, and he referenced Dusty Rhodes and yes. wanting to, to win the title, give it to his father. Yes. Can, you, can, can you tell me a little bit about this family history, why they're a dynasty, where Cody fits into this world a little bit? Tom, you take it away. You, you love Dusty. <laughs> You're the oldest one. Well, you know, you uh, so, love Dusty, though. Well, so John and I are both Northeastern guys. So we're both, we both grew up in uh, Massachusetts and New Hampshire, respectively. So we were WWF guys. Mm-hmm. But being wrestling fans, you end up reading the zines, the old yes. magazines, the black and white. Uh, and you'd see all these different promotions from down south and Midwest. And you'd see all these other promotions that you'd never watched before, just based on location. And uh, so Dusty Rhodes was a star basically everywhere, uh, including Vince McMahon Sr.'s uh, WWF. So he was he was champion briefly there. But Dusty was, I think, I don't think he gets enough credit for being on par with Ric Flair as like the star of that era, like Flair and Dusty. And they were foils for one another. So they, you know, they were good guy, bad guy. In the 70s into the 80s, and they drew money everywhere they went. Dusty was, you know, this big hefty guy, just loaded with charisma, fantastic on the mic, cut legendary promos. And so as a foil for Ric Flair, uh, running around from territory to territory and collecting belts, and he was just this bigger than life star. And John can, be, can testify to this. If Hulk Hogan hadn't made the jump, to Vince McMahon Jr.'s WWF in the 80s, Vince had a, a, a vision for what he wanted to do with the company, and somebody had to be the flag bearer, and if it wasn't going to be Hulk Hogan, it would have been Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, I think that was uh, Bruce Pritchard. 
that said on uh, on the gold standard of, of wrestling sports entertainment podcasts, uh, uh, something to wrestle. Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of a rumor, and Bruce kind of verified it, right? Because Bruce and yeah. Dusty were very close. But um, Dusty, as far as his style, he was bigger than life. He was very cartoonish, but yet believable. And man, the crowd got behind him. And if yep. you if you made Dusty bleed, if you cheated Dusty out Ugh. of a match, there would be riots. He was unbelievably popular. And by the time he finally came to the WWF under Vince McMahon in the late 80s, he was already kind of nearing towards uh, retirement age. And he was, you know, he was going to transition into what he ended up doing, which was becoming an agent and a producer uh, and tutoring young talent, which he loved to do. Um, but he was just by the time he and by the time he got to WWF, he was still so popular and he, it was clear he was never going to win the, the main championship at that point. But he was at the top of the mid card and, and drawing money with Randy Savage. And he was a huge deal. And at that point, I think in the late 80s, his son, Dustin Rhodes, who became gold dust, yes. showed up in WWF briefly as himself and then in later years came back with the gimmick uh, gold dust that they that they created for him so uh, two interesting yeah. things so first of all dusty dusty comes to the then wwf now wwe and there's debate about this but they put like whether or not they someone was trying to embarrass him or not whatever they put him in black uh, uh like uh black trunks with yellow polka dots but it worked like kids were like oh that's fun that's cool and like got into it and he had a fun song to dance to. And so it was one of those things where we've talked about before you hear people on, you know, that are maybe of a different generation. Say, oh, when they buried Dusty. But I'm like, nah, we all love that guy. Like we thought it was funny and hilarious and wanted him to win the championship. And like, you know, and then so then Gold Dust. Julie, you familiar with Gold Dust? Absolutely. I we need to have a whole show dedicated to Gold Dust. Well, there's there's <laughs> there's a lot of shows dedicated to gold dust for better or worse. But do you want to explain, explain gold dust to people? Um, gold dust was an androgynous character. Yes, so Dustin Rhodes is a big guy that looks mm -hmm. an awful lot like his dad. And uh, so they gave him the gimmick that he was this androgynous, like sexually charged character wearing this uh, gold bodysuit and gold uh, face makeup and a golden wig came to the ring uh, with uh, his his uh, wife uh, dressed scantily and uh, smoking a cigar. And the, he was a really wild character because this wasn't five years ago. This, this was like 25 years ago. And, and uh, so it was it really uh, he got on Conan O'Brien's show in oh gimmick. Uh, he, he was clip. a really big deal. Um, Tom, is it fair to say we'll just say he. Uh, Gold dust in the ring behaves interestingly for uh, especially for 1995. Yeah, there was some there was some uh, there was some humping around. There was yep. some bumping and grinding. There was some stuff that you hadn't seen from male on male wrestlers in the day. Uh, again, th this was 25 years ago, so it was a much larger deal. Uh, not everybody was excited about participating in said activities. Um, I will say that as a 12 year old uh, privileged relatively so a uh, white boy growing up in new hampshire that is why i took four years away from wrestling because i saw <laughs> i saw gold dust and i said i'm gonna take a break i wasn't skinner mature. was my breaking point who was skinner oh yeah skinner remember the, but, the gator hunter yeah but <laughs> that, no i was not tobacco i was people? not 
Look, nowadays, I like pizzers. There's there's great people, uh, Adrian Street, people like that, um, that had similar gimmicks uh, to Goldust. And I'm fascinated by them now. I love watching those and just seeing how everything plays out. Um, but Goldust, um, yeah, it was, I was not yet mature enough for that. But um, they so anyway, anyway, we we roll into a match later on and um, Cody defeats the Miz. Mm. Uh, and then Seth Rollins shows up, and if I could describe his suit this week, I'd say if a bathroom wall at the W Hotel grew feet. Hmm. Yeah, Is it was. I, I thought it was like sequined giraffe. Yeah, a lot of tiles on that suit this time. <laughs> well, by the way, thank thankfully they had enough time to have a really good match between Cody and Miz because they tend to job Miz out because he'll do it. Mm-hmm. And he's a good enough wrestler that I'm glad they allowed Cody and Miz to have a really good match with one another. I kind of want to see that feud keep going. Oh, the push up that Cody yeah. did in the middle of the match. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. They were really good dance partners. I, I would I would watch that match again. But we're going to get Seth and Cody again, which is well, fine. I, I also want to watch that again. But also, it's interesting how they do it, where it's like Seth come, shows up on commentary. So basically the two competitors are announced and then Seth's music hits again, uh, guitar center on a Saturday. It's just every instrument there is. It's like if there are a million birth, the chimney sweeps walking around with all their drums and shit. Um, and, uh, he's on commentary and I was thinking about this. I wish you could do that in other sports. Like when two teams are playing in the wild card round of the football, the NFL playoffs, I want the entire green Bay Packers to show up in the commentary booth and just shit on both of them. That's amazing. That's actually Wouldn't you that should pitch fun? that to the NFL. That's a great idea. Well, as we know, that's their only problem. Um. Well, well, and I, I don't again, I don't want to shit on Seth. But so Seth joined the commentary team and didn't speak. He didn't and say Seth anything. Con- yeah. Seth continues to do great character work <laughs> off mic. Well, hey, no, man, he, seriously, if there's one way to have Seth stop laughing. It's when you it's well, when Jerry's there telling jokes. But he was he was making faces. He was making his presence known without saying anything and without doing anything on the outside. Like because and they kept doing that with camera angles. But Seth was doing some great stuff. And then he took the mic and all that goodwill goes away. Uh, I just I can't I can't with the promos. I can't with Seth. Seth's promos just bother me so much. But yeah, I'm sure. Uh, anyway, I'd love to get the chance. I'm going to start subtweeting Seth Rollins if you guys don't mind. Um, but yeah, wait, Tom, were you the guy that ran out of the crowd and attacked him that time? No, that was not me. I'm not nearly that fast. I, uh, I enjoyed, uh, the match. I, I enjoyed the fact that we're going to see Seth and Cody again. Um, but all I came out of the, the match and, and the opening again, they did two Cody Rhodes full entrances at the beginning of the show. And before this match, they didn't just cut to cut from commercial to the match. Yeah. They actually had two full entrances and both of them had the same huge pop. God, do you remember all when they I could think of with, is I can't believe AEW let this guy go. Remember when they used to do that with Kane and the attitude era, it was only a two hour show and Kane would come down like five times and every single time the lights would go down. And they, the, by like the last one, everyone was like, ah, oh. you know, <laughs> Well, just, the, uh, that pyro Kane, was hot too. Yeah, it was hot, and every time Jr. would go, ah, jeez. Like I mean, Jerry would do my favorite. Here, just just to, just about, I'm a huge Jerry the King Lawler fan. It was an honor getting to meet him one time, and that was it. He's a wrestling legend, part of the most famous wrestling angle, probably mainstream of all time. And 
regardless of what you think of his jokes, the thing that we can all agree on is that it's always hilarious when Jerry Lawler goes, ah! that's always funny. <laughs> it's just, on par with the Homer ah! Simpson screen. Oh, it's God. the same like, yeah. He's so good at it. Um, but speaking of the lights going down, we also have uh, AJ Styles and Damian Priest. And you guys know opin- my opinion here. Uh, pretty dangerous Damian in the overall scheme of things. Not that bad of a priest. But uh, wrestling AJ Styles. And this one, we were texting each other. Because I was like, did I, Julia, I was like, and I had another friend that I was like, did this just get weird? Because in the middle of the match, AJ Styles is wrestling Damian Priest and then the lights go off. And then Damian Priest just kind of, and then they go to commercial. Right? And then the match was over. They returned from commercial break with something else. <laughs> and that was it. What, what did they you think that was, else? Julie? Something must have happened, right? It's something, something that shouldn't have ended that way must have interfered. You think, it was a, you think it was a mistake? Or do you think it was like just like, you think it wasn't supposed to happen? Was it was there confirmed an injury? That's the only thing I can. No. That's the thing that shuts something down the fastest is if a wrestler is injured. It's just like well, he, go to commercial. Well, here's what I love about it. they start the match. There's a backstage attack. And um, yeah, AJ Styles and Damian Priest ruined a perfectly good pile of conveniently placed empty cardboard boxes like the 70s because, Incredible Hulk TV show. Because AJ is there saying if, if Damian Priest was right here right now, I'd beat him up. And just like, what are the odds that right then? Um, a non-plus Damien Priest would just kind of casually walk by in the background. Um, so what do but, you think it was, John? Well, I, I don't know. I at first thought uh, I was having another mini stroke, and I was like, ah, shit, I thought we wouldn't be doing this today, or we'd be doing it and be hilarious, funnier than ever. I was like, I don't know. I, you know what? It would have been awesome. Can you imagine if the lights went off and then Damien Priest introduced the 1991 Chicago Bulls? How fucking cool that <laughs> And now the starting lineup. And then Dave Meltzer goes, uh, the turn to make uh, uh, Damian Priest, the Ray Clay, the Bulls announcer, had, had been in the, the works for three weeks. Was there anything positive from this? No. Like no I, and then and then the backstage, AJ's like, I'm trying to have a match out there. And the lights went out. You can't fight in the dark. Even though he famously had the Boneyard match. <laughs> this, this whole Edge faction is going wrong and going south pretty quickly. I don't, uh, I don't like the, pro- the promos they're cutting are very 1970s and 80s. And the, the, I, this, I don't think that was a botch. I don't think that was an injury. That's Tom, the angle. Very 70s and 80s. The, the Edge Lords are going to stop matches with the purple light. And that's the angle. And I don't know. I don't see that working long term. One thing Edge did, I really like Damian Priest. And I'm, I'm invested in his character. I want to see him do well. And I thought that this kind of like connection with Edge was going to help. The problem was when they joined forces, Edge, for whatever reason, decided to not put Damian over at all. Like didn't mention why this tall, younger, dangerous guy is joining his faction. It's just like, hey, here's a guy who likes me. It, and so he didn't give him any rub whatsoever other than purple light. I did like, so at the beginning of their Titan Tron, the, uh, the Damien Priest Titan Tron is a split because he's supposed to have a split personality. Damien is the bad guy. Priest is the good guy. Uh, that gimmick wasn't really working really well, but it used to be half, half dark, half it's light. It's also backwards too, yeah. Yeah. Well, and now it is all dark. 
but it's one side is darkness and then the other side is the edge purple light. And it used to have, uh, uh, there's a wing. So the, the dark side has a bat wing and then the purple side has edges, dark angel wing. I thought that was cool presentation. And then the only other thing I had, I found notable about the matches. Does anybody get up from the announce table faster than Byron Saxton when violence is coming his way? It is that guy just, he is athletic as hell. He just jumps up anytime there's any kind of action near the, uh, the announce table. Other than that, I, I wish they would protect AJ more. <laughs> like, I don't need AJ to win every match. I, I'd like them to treat him like HBK, where HBK did not have to hold the top belt. Title, title. I'm oh going to throw a quarter in the, in the swear jar. Uh, he didn't have to hold a belt. He didn't, a title. HBK, You're they protected him. Yeah, towards, towards the end of his career, they protected him. So, and AJ Styles is so good that they don't feel like they have to do the same thing. And I really wish they would. I, because he's so great at everything he does. And I want to see him at the very least, you know, finish out his career putting over people when it matters. And Julie, it seems like ever, he's putting over everybody lately. Do you ever get to work with AJ, Julie? I did. I did. He's, he's great. Isn't he the best? He reads and practices everything that's yep. said. He will read every single word that's written to for him. He, I worked with him once or twice in the same day on two different things. The only one day, but uh, yeah, he's, he's so nice to everybody. He had no idea who the hell I was. He was super, and like, gosh, he's and like, he, man, he tried, he gives everything. And it shows. When I mean, his that, performance Julie? is, is, is generally on point. No one would ever accuse off, him of Julie, being the best promo in the world, but his promos are good and he clearly works at them. Julie, what was your experience with him? Did you work with him in the in the Thunderdome? In the Thunderdome, I did. I think actually no, it was the Performance Center. Oh, that's right, the Performance Center. And I, I, he just he was he was really great. I think sometimes he just you would see AJ Styles backstage right before his entrance, literally reciting the promo. the The script is in his hand, and he is pacing back and forth reciting the promo trying to get it right and he always appreciated anyone who was willing to listen letting yes. him practice and asking yep. like the inflection there what do you think about this how do we try it? and it was really wonderful he really trusted the writers and and what was written down on the page and then he took it to a whole nother level with his promos it was it was really cool to see he was he was one of the few that that really when a script was given to him he immediately started memorizing and wanted to make sure every word was said with intention, which was awesome. Yeah. yeah, he would say, can I cut a promo on you? You go, okay. And uh, he would just go. And it reminded me of like comics backstage, being like, is this going to like humble, humil you know, with some humility, be like, you think this is works? Uh, love AJ Styles. Um, but he bleeds in this match. He being AJ Styles means two people struggle to watch it. Me, <laughs> <laughs> famously, and Vince McMahon, also not a huge fan of blood. I only noticed it though at first because the ref had gloves on. And um, here's what I'll say. When there's a fight at Foot Locker, do you think the employees there are trying to pull out some rubber gloves? I, I think that, that was you my are underselling joke. how many fights break out. That was my dad joke. That was for you, Jerry Lawler. <laughs> well, by I'm the capable way. capable of it. So AJ Styles was busted open the hard way and not by the entrance archway like he was at WrestleMania. If you don't know, so at WrestleMania, and this apparently had happened twice in the same day, AJ Styles was so into 
getting out on in front of that WrestleMania crowd that he was told, hey, there's a low ceiling over there. And he bumped his head like in rehearsal <laughs> coming out. And then he bumped his head Ugh. when he actually came out and split his head open and was bleeding from the forehead before his match with Edge at WrestleMania. This time he was he was actually like some people get attacked in the backstage area. Very few get attacked by the backstage area. Shaq, but that's Shaq just a commitment that. to character. Shaq did that on late night when we were doing our <laughs> Super Bowl show. He um, he bumped his head and fell down and we thought he wasn't gonna be able to be on the show that night. Well, when, when doesn't so, he bump his head? He's the no, biggest human like, being I've ever seen in my bit, life. Because we thought he was doing a bit, and we heard this loud thud. We thought it was his hand, and then he came down, and um, Patrick Borelli and I came and looked at him, and uh, hi, Patrick, because we know he's listening, and um, looked at him, and his eyes were all watery. He was like, I just bumped my head. And just like, oh, shit. And so maybe he does or does not remember that appearance. Um, so um, moving on. Um, we got to talk about, uh, yeah, Veer. Veer did some damage. Yeah. If you, show. if you guys like true crime podcasts, we're about to talk about a murder. So that's going to be interesting. Well, Veer showed up and, um, I, I, yeah, it was rough on, well, uh, first of all, I guess he heard your comments, Tom. You're always giving a hard time to Dominic's haircut for some reason. I guess <laughs> Veer took it personally. He tried to yank his mullet out. Not in a good way. No. That was, that was rough, man. I don't know if I like the million dollar arm guy. No. No, I like him a lot. I, you know what? He is like a Street Fighter 2 character. Like he's a direct-to-VHS 80s movie villain. I love it. I, I love the presentation. Um, the offense looks legit. He's smash mouth. Uh, his facial expressions are fantastic. Like He is old school, but in a really good way. He's a throwback character that I dig. Uh, they actually used the term million dollar arm to describe his clothesline. Yeah. So they're, cool. they're referencing his actual history without using it for whatever reason. Uh, Julie, did you think it was effective the way that Veer was teased for what was like four or five months? Did like as someone who's in, in the, you know, as we were talking about earlier, someone who knows about promotion and getting the word out. Do you think that was a smart move or, or should we have seen Veer a little bit sooner? It was a little long. It was a little long. How would you have I done think, it? I think for, for a reveal, it was, yeah, it was a little long, in my opinion. How, how, you know what, how though? It got him over. Get, how it got him over, and I don't think that would have happened otherwise. What's your lead-in for Veer? How much time do you give him for promo? Three vignettes over the course of three weeks. Really? That yeah. quick? Yeah. That's, that's, do you just think, do you think attention spans are just, Way like, too short now, yeah. So you gotta go quick. I, I think the, so. There was an element to it, though, that became funnier as it went longer. And I think they caught on to that and they just kept milking it because it, even if it was just funny to them or to people that noticed it was hilarious that they kept teasing this guy for months on end. I, whatever reason they did it, I don't know. It worked for me. And he's clearly over. I don't know that he has any impact at all, because remember, he had a few matches about a year ago that he, I think he lost in a handicap match to Drew McIntyre with, with uh, Jinder and Shanky. And I, I, I don't, he did not have an auspicious debut, but his repackaging and new debut have worked really well. And I, I, I like him going forward. The one thing they have to do that they didn't do this week, and I think it was just maybe they needed to pad the show out, uh, they gave him mic time. Don't do that. Uh, not yet. It's not, he's <laughs> well, not there yet. The, take us through the finish, Tom. Uh, he brutalizes, um, um, Dominic and we didn't end there, right? 
No, it's a, it's a squash mash, and then he he. It's kind of a modified camel clutch that he does, a submission hold to close out his matches. It's called it's like the cervical clutch, and it's a really painful looking, uh, you know, modified camel clutch where you kind of it's kind of a half Nelson, but you're over the guy's shoulders, and all the pressure goes on the person's back, and you're yanking their arm back. It's really painful looking, and he kept putting it on Dominic after he had won the match and again and again. And as officials continued to come out and tried to stop it, he continued to do it. But I think, I think that's an effective way to make him look like a badass and, and make him look dangerous. Dominic gets taken out in an ambulance to a medical facility. Cause do you know why they say medical facility? Julie, you know, Wait, this, right? I don't know. Why? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know this. When they used to say a hospital, then fans would go to the hospital there. But apparently, if you say medical facility, it's vague enough that it might not be the hospital. It could be a veterinarian's office. Um, it could be, be an urgent care. Yeah. It could Is be that urgent true? Care. Could be a yoga studio. Yes, that's true. That's what? the thinking, at least. Okay, so quick story, and then we'll, we'll tie this one up. So uh, I, only, I only was in like two of the three. I, I was in a bunch of the uh, meetings when we were trying to get this show sold that never ended up selling, um, which is how I, I made friends with uh, uh, some people there who I, I like and uh, some still keep in touch with. But uh, I was only ever in two of the like late night meetings. And uh, Paul Heyman got me up there. Um, you know, Paul knew I was going through a tough time personally in my life. And he's like, man, you need to work. You need something to do. You're coming to the meeting tonight. Great. These, so, these are the legendary Vince yeah. McMahon meetings. So thank you to Paul Heyman uh, for that and a whole bunch of other stuff. And we'd love to have Paul on someday. But anyway, to breeze through this story, uh, in this meeting, it is uh, Paul Heyman, uh, who then was the general manager, the, the uh, creative manager of Monday Night Raw, executive director, I think was his title. J- John Backstrom, who was the head writer, the lead writer, um, Christian, our writer's assistant. Vince and myself. And that was it. It was the only people in the meeting. And it went from about, uh, it was like started at like 1230 and we went till about three. And so during this meeting, uh, very similarly, uh, Brock Lesnar was in a program with Rey Mysterio and uh, they really wanted to sell that, you know, that they, they wanted some, they wanted this to get intense. And so the idea went back and forth that maybe someone ends up in the hospital and someone else shows up to take vengeance and beat them up while they're in the hospital after this crazy thing. And uh, we were kind of spitballing. And so I kind of I think I might have been the one that said, what if we see him in the hospital? And then I got the look from Paul, like, what the fuck? And so I was like, ah, shit. But then it was too medical late. facility. Okay. <laughs> no, I no in the me in the room you can say hospital, but it was it was like you just signed me up for more work. So like you just fucked us because now we got to do this thing. And I was like ah, it was like uh, Ray thinking of the marshmallow man. Where I was like fuck, why did I say that? Because Vince was as you talked about, his ideas are delicious. He was like, mm, what if someone goes to the hospital? Start, <laughs> and then he, we start talking about what it would have to be and the action that would have to happen. And then Vince goes, God damn. I'm going to have to buy myself a hospital wing here. I have to pay for all this shit <laughs> to buy a wing. So we kind of all laugh. And then he turns to Christian, the writer's assistant, and he goes, Hey, pal, how much does it cost to donate a hospital wing? So he asks this legitimately in the meeting, how much does it ask to, how much does it cost you to donate a hospital wing? So Christian, great writer's assistant and very good creatively, he looks it up and he figures and everything. And Vince Okay, got to 
Bunt bangs his pencil twice. Keep going. So then Paul and John keep laying out the show, and they're doing a good job. And Vince just is kind of nodding. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he's like very excited about it. And I notice in the middle of it, um, Vince takes out his pencil after Paul says an idea and he writes something down on the notepad. And he's really excited. He's like, <clears throat> and writes it down, takes a pencil, puts it back, keep going. Uh-huh. So Paul talks for about another 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And Vince is, you know, everything's fine. It's great. And then if it's a, excuse me, and he gets up to use the restroom and we're all sitting there thinking like, Oh, this is, great and paul and john you know they work their butts off in this they're thinking gosh we just we're coasting with vince he loves everything we're giving him and then uh paul says did you see when he wrote that thing down unbelievable he's liking ideas and so they're talking they're celebrating rightfully so and this is about a 45 minutes after this all began and i just kind of scoot my chair over and i look at the yellow notepad and uh, i see what vince wrote and it's just one word hospital <laughs> He li- so we think we're doing it like I'm sitting there like I'm so proud to be a part of this. This is a dream come true. John and Paul are laying out a whole episode they'd worked all week on. And evidently what was really going on at that time was Vince was planning the Vince McMahon, the Vincent Kennedy McMahon Hospital. <laughs> so, yeah, that's you thought you had pitched an angle. Meanwhile, he's thinking about his Nobel Prize. And then he came back and he goes, what do we do? What do we land on with the thing? And they go, uh, uh, this one or that one? He goes, which one's the one with the hospital? And they go, uh, this way. He goes, uh, it's just the other one with the ambulance. So I guess in the time he left, he was like, eh, that's not worth, it's not worth it. <laughs> so, hospital. My favorite Vince story. Uh, anyway. So I just want to touch on Bianca Belair, Raw Women's Champion. And we get this, this sudden turn. I, I do want to say, I, my husband's a lawyer. And my husband would tell me. Is he a lawyer or special counsel? <laughs> He's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. He's, he works at a firm. Works at Is a he firm. an advocate? He's <laughs> he was trained. He was trained by Paul Heyman. He was. Is he actually. one of the That's top where he litigators to in Manhattan? Yeah, he went to, he hey, went to law hey, school. <laughs> like, like I said, Paul gave me some good advice. So shout out to Paul. He knows what he's talking about, man. He mm-hmm. knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um. You never sign a contract without reading it thoroughly first. And Sonia was very clear that, that you know, she, she puts her in a trap. She, a sharp legal mind that Sonia Deville is puts Bianca in a trap saying, I will you know, go against anyone no matter what. I'm the Raw Women's Champion. She goes, great, we'll sign, sign this contract without all of the details in it. And you don't do that. You don't, you never do that. Not, not my, my lawyer husband has taught me. My advocate husband has taught me. You never sign a contract without reading it. So Mistake. Julie, are you, are you still on like iTunes version two? I will never, ever click yes to those terms and services ever. I won't. I won't. You read the my whole computer's thing? really slow. My gosh. Yeah, it's a good. Did you, a did good you guys notice about. in the match with, so Bianca wrestled. Queen Zelina, who is four foot Queen 11 Zine. with crown six foot eight. Mm-hmm. Queen uh, and so during the match, did you guys see the Scott Hall tribute? There was a point where Bianca threw a little uh, nod to Scott Hall. She performed Scott Hall's fall away slam, oh, which cool. Scott Hall yeah. uh, lovingly referred to as the sack of shit. 
And he called it that because the first time he did the move, he did it, I think, down in Puerto Rico. And he did it against Carlos Colon, who then replied after the match, he threw me like a sack of shit. And uh, so it stuck. But yeah, he did the sack of shit. Uh, Bianca did the sack of shit during the match, which was fantastic. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yep. Yeah. Uh, on a somber note, uh, they laid, uh, they being Kevin Nash and uh, Diamond Dallas Page, um, Cody Hall, Scott Sun, Shawn Michaels, Sean Waltman, and uh, Triple H laid uh, Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, to rest uh, just the other day. And uh, Tom, one of, the, one of our favorites, right? Our childhood. One of the all-time greats who was so selfless and so brilliant and was so was really responsible backstage for a lot of creativity that got shown in other characters. And a huge, muscular, dangerous guy who was very willing to put over smaller wrestlers, like whatever. He was very, very willing to do whatever it took to make an entertaining product. And that guy yep. was just endlessly funny and entertaining and charismatic and an amazing technician for a guy his size, and uh, we're the the world of wrestling misses Scott Hall very. Go much. to YouTube or Peacock, look up one two three kid Razor Ramon Monday Night Raw. Uh, I still remember it like it was yesterday. Beautifully executed and a little subtle build throughout the weeks with the one two three kid. The lead to that, and, and the uh, first also just really big ladder match. Yeah. Oh gosh. With, yeah. With I Shawn saw, Michaels. Yeah, I, I got to see uh, Razor and uh, Jeff Jarrett in a ladder match, the old Boston Garden, and man, they put on a show, and uh, yeah, Ch Razor Ramon, unbelievable. He would do about six or seven things before he even got the match even started, to tell you who he was, so um, rest well to uh, the great Scott Hall, and that has been the Raw Recap. Thank you so much for listening to Turnbuckles. Subscribe, give us five stars, and I don't know, maybe leave a nice review if you want. No pressure. And also, if you have any questions for us, uh, turnbuckles_pod at gmail.com if you want to email us, the hosts of the show, and uh, give us your feedback and or questions. Uh, so until next week, see you, Buckleheads. Yeah, give us those five stars. And, and somebody else, Connecticut, let the writers wear flats and no more ties. I promise it'll make things more fun. Goodbye, everybody. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.